Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have an ultra-packed show for you today. Bob Iger is out as Disney CEO, effective last week. We are going to give our reactions. We are reviewing The Invisible Man, the new Blumhouse horror film. And in honor of The Invisible Man, we're going to do our schoolyard pick, I almost said top five, of abilities. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. <laughs> now? Now? Yeah, that's you. Go oh, live. Okay. Hello, hello. Sorry, yeah. I was... <laughs> you were still saw, dancing. I was jamming out, dancing to that song yep. like a fool. Hopefully all of you danced when you hear that music come on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's involuntary. It's so fun. I was doing a little shoulder. I don't even like that song and I dance. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do. I do like that song a lot, actually. It's I so actually good. Love it. I love it. We keep telling Ryan to put it on iTunes so we can just He's get going, that track. No, listen. Hot tip. Hot, scorching hot tip. I hear there is music coming from our friends Ryan and Brandon Aristotle. Score. Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristotle. They've got an album they're working on. Now, I don't know if it's all instrumentals. I don't know. They're, they, you know they do a lot of cool stuff. Ryan is a wonderful vocalist. Brand, Brandon as well, actually. Um, so there may be some vocals. There may not be. I don't know. It could be just all techie, awesome sounding stuff with, with face melting guitar solos like our music. It could be something else. I don't know. We'll keep you posted. It's well, coming in hot. It's going to be everywhere. Spotify. Yeah. Apple music all over the place. Well, that is super exciting because, uh, I'm just going to dance like I was just dancing for hours now. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll record it and fil- I'll film it so you all can see me dancing. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I think I've told this story on the podcast. I don't know if I if I have or not, but when we first thought of this whole c- podcast concept, it was in 2018, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, we need a theme song. I don't know why that was like the first order of business that I thought was important, and I, all I did was text Ryan and say, hey, I, I'm, I want a podcast theme song. It's a movie podcast. I'm looking for something that's like electro-funk, daft punk, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's like oh, you mean like this? And sends me a file no more than three minutes later. <laughs> and it's that song. That's our intro. And oh. I was like, how do you just have bits of musical genius just lying around that are unused? How, do you, how are you just like, oh, yeah, this perfect thing, that's exactly what you asked for? He's got like a Dewey Decimal System. He's like, hmm, wait a second, let me file through, <laughs> and here you go. And yeah. he just hands it off. No, it's insane. It's insane. So it's because geniuses never stop writing and never stop. It, well, I mean, it's true. As long as I've known Ryan, he just goes to work. Just like this is episode four hundred and six, and uh, we're uh, we're well, releasing not, them bit not by that bit. far, not that far yet. Oh, sorry, we've recorded that many, but they're the rest sure. are coming out. Yes, we've seen all the mov- movies in the future, <laughs> and we <laughs> we're time travelers. We are. We're time travelers. That's stupid. Um, all right. Well, you blew the intro. I mean, you just torpedoed it. So now my whole vibe is thrown off. I'm canned, by the way. Not that you, any of you care. Because Kirk killed everything. <laughs> just kidding, Kirk. It's okay. This is Cam. No, yep. that's Cam. I'm Kirk. That's right. Oh, now you've confused all of our new <laughs> listeners. No, it's okay. It's been an eventful week. 
It's been yeah. an eventful week. We've got a big movie we're reviewing, The Invisible Man. It's a remake of the 1933 film, The Invisible Man, mm-hmm. which, of course, was an adaptation of H.G. Wells' novel, The Invisible Man. So, um, very interesting. I watched that movie, actually, uh, last did. night, 1933, The Invisible Man. I'll give my report on that. It's uh, it's interesting. When you watch a movie that's almost 100 years old, it's, uh, it's always an interesting oh. exercise. It's 87 years old. That's crazy to think about. Totally wild. But... We'll have lots of thoughts on The Invisible Man. Very excited about that one. Hopefully you got a chance to go see it this weekend. We're then going to do our schoolyard pick of abilities, Ooh. which is going to quickly devolve into superhero chatter. Yes. Because invisibility is the topic of this horror film, but it's very clearly a superpower. When I made my list out, I was already thinking of superhero names that I could put for each ability. Oh. So, yeah. Wow. I won't necessarily list all of them. That's you're ahead of the game. We'll see what you're happens. You're like not only what I want this ability, but I'd <laughs> want to be called Ultra Kirk. That's, that's right. <laughs> Which that's a terrible name for a superhero, <laughs> but you're welcome to have it. It just came right off the top of Let my me head. Just update my list. <laughs> yeah, just write that down real quick. Um, we're going to talk about Bob Iger here in a bit, but on the topic of Disney and Pixar, we're reviewing Onward next week, and you, my friend, caused quite a stir on the old Facebook. By opening up the age-old debate of, is Brave a good movie? Controversy. And people were coming for the kill on you. They did. They did. I, I got I got some um, some like buzzwords thrown my way. Yeah. And I just want to make very clear uh, a couple things. Yes. Um, I love accents. I love Irish people, obviously. Oh, of course. Have you seen our, our um, logo? Every, this is for everyone. Not is directed she at Irish one person. or is she Scottish? Sorry. Oh, gosh. I thought she was Irish. She probably is. We're going to have to Google that. I don't know. Either way, I like Scottish people too. Yeah, yeah, great accents. But I'm Irish. I've got lots of Irish. My beard is red. My hair is blonde. Mm -hmm. Um, I support strong female characters because we've yes, we've had lots of those actually. And let's you know the um, she is not a typical Disney princess. You could say. I mean, she's Pixar first of all. Pixar. But like Moana is the same thing. You know, no love interest. If that if that's like that's what I see people use as like the one defining characteristic of like a. Yeah. female character but she doesn't moana doesn't have a love interest she's just a boss well let's yeah let's strip away even the love interest part and let's just say like um rapunzel she didn't really need flynn she needed flynn rider as yeah, an she was assistant, like beating people with the skillet yeah she was doing that with without before she fell in love with them I mean, yeah she, and like pocahontas mm-hmm. yeah anyway we don't want to go down they're that all path, ballers there's yeah. just a couple like the very first like two right like snow, snow white, white terrible and sleeping beauty which snow white maybe? it's not even a good movie snow white yeah. The characters are cool. The Seven Dwarfs. The songs. The aesthetic. But the movie itself, woof. Disney World Ride. Oh, that ride is awesome. But I made people angry with this. And I just want to say that I, I, I went back and watched this. Oh, good. Yeah, you're a man of your word. You said you were going to do this. I'm mostly a man of my word. I turned this on. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and I... It feels like there's a confession coming. There is. It feels like there's a but. You can, you can, you, is telepathy one of your abilities? It, I did on? have that one written down, yes. Um, I fell asleep. Oh, boy. In the, the part of the movie that I always fall asleep when I try to rewatch it. So I have seen this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. One, <laughs> once. So, so does that mean there's an asterisk next to your opinion of this movie? <laughs> or does that mean that this movie, that solidifies your opinion that you don't like this movie because you were able to fall asleep during it? I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying to watch sure. this movie. Um, maybe I'll stay away. I watched it by myself. 
because the kids were already asleep. But I would watch this. I would try to watch a Disney yeah. movie by myself, anyways. Why not? And the part where the movie falls falls apart is where I fell asleep. Where the mom spoiler alert where the mom becomes a bear every time. That, okay. That scene when they're dining in the main hall and and uh, Merida's upstairs and the mom is it's like so drawn out and boring it lasts forever i feel like that scene is 20 minutes long in those two locations Mm -hmm. so boring i fell asleep and i woke up and it was like 60 minutes in through the 90 minutes i'm like whoops yeah turn it off went to bed yep well but i will i mean you did you did turn it on and try to watch it i did in my opinion that just means that your your original opinion stays i think i agree if you fall asleep during now you can fall asleep during a good movie if you're just like tired, yeah. But it's less likely to fall asleep during a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Well, I did not watch Brave. I, I'm anti-confrontation. I said, you know what? <laughs> I wash my hands of this. But we're gonna have to do something about this. We're gonna have to do something about the Pixar, the Pixar films, oh. and and where they rate because I think people are very quick to be like, this is a bottom tier. Pixar movie and this is a top tier Pixar movie but anytime I've asked people to be like okay divide Pixar films there's like 21 of them right divide them into sectors one two three one being the best three being the bottom like seven movies in each people have a tremendously hard time doing that so we have to figure out something to do before next week's episode we either need a bracket which a 21-team bracket is messy, but can be done. Mm-hmm. It can be. So we could go that route if all else fails. Um, what else could we do besides a bracket? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I thought you were going to say fight at the beginning of oh, all, fight? this speech. Like, we we fight? Like um, like glove up and fight or like uh, you know, like those places where you can jump and bounce and they have those giant sticks that you knock well, each other off. Who represents what movies? I don't know. We just, we, we, you and I fight each other 210 times. We have 21. Uh, <laughs> the first time you just like put a sticker on my forehead that yes. says the Incredibles and a sticker on your forehead that says Ratatouille and we just, we just duke it out. Precisely. I don't like that idea. <laughs> I, that's going to end terribly. Like, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Kirk can't return because he got a, one of those Viking sticks to the throat. Last we made week. it, we made it 10 matchups in and then, and then Cam died. So we had to stop. We had to stop. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good idea. It, I mean, it's an idea. <laughs> but I don't know that it's the right choice. Maybe not. But we could do... Some sort of bracket I love. Yes. Or just the... What we need really is to match up every movie with the other movie. We need every permutation. We need like a round robin. Yep. Which would be 210 matchups. So we have to figure that out. Okay. But I think it's the only way. Because I think people... With the bracket, you get this whole thing of like, well, how did you decide who was what seed? And then even if you tell people, they're like, well, if, you know, uh, the Incredibles wasn't facing off against Monsters University in the first round, either one of those movies may have made it far. And I don't want that. Mm -mm. I want one to one across the board. Everybody votes. We tally up who gets the most votes. That's definitive. I think that's the best way. I think it's the best way. I think it will be difficult to execute, but we'll figure it out. And if not, we'll just do a bracket because I'll, I don't care. <laughs> we'll just do it. We'll just do the bracket because it's probably going to be easier. But the thing about 21 teams or really anything that's not 8, 16, 24, one of those is that you get like 
a bunch of teams with like first round buys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is just messy. You know, it's like, well, this movie only had to face off against two other movies, and this one had to go through three. Cheaters. I know. I know. But we'll figure it out because it'll be a good exercise, and I am stoked for Onward. Ready for another Pixar. And then we've got Soul later this year. So we got yeah. double Pixars this year. I think. Well, I don't know when Soul comes I think out. It's I shouldn't say fall? No. Yeah, I want I want to say it is. They wouldn't be doing trailers now if it doesn't come out until 2021, right? No chance. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. We'll see it. So Onward comes out. It'll be the 22nd Disney and Pixar film. And we'll be checking it out this weekend. Hopefully you get a chance to do so as well. Bring your kids. It'll be a great time for the kids. Um, if you have nieces, be, nieces, nephews, yeah, godchildren, big brothers, big sisters, whatever. It'll be better than Brave. Just just throwing that out there. Ooh. <laughs> you haven't even seen Onward yet, Kirk. That's just hateful. I know. Yeah, that's just hateful. But we'll be reviewing that. Um, which brings us to what's popping, Kirk. Brings us to what's popping. Pop it up. Bob Iger, CEO of the Disney Corporation. The Walt Disney Company? I don't know. Something like that. Disney, the Disney empire of death and destruction. <laughs> he uh, stepped down as, as CEO, effective last Tuesday. This was breaking news right after we put out a new episode. So it's it feels like old news now, but we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. Yeah, you cranked, your, you almost got like carpal tunnel. You flipped your phone around so fast. You're like, look, look, look. Yeah, I know. I was panicking. I it, was panicking. It was wild. Um, he was expected. So I think... Originally, Bob Iger was meant to step down in 2018. He had kind of self-imposed that retirement date. He then was looking ahead at what was going on with streaming, knew that Disney Plus or some sort of solution was on the horizon, wanted to be around for all of that, wanted to be around for additional acquisitions, all of those things. So then he said he was going to step down in 2021 and then unexpectedly announced stepping down last week. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Um, the new president or the new CEO of Disney, um, comes from Disney parks division, which I personally feel is a good move. I Mm -hmm. think, uh, maybe I'm biased from watching that Imagineering documentary, but it really feels like, um, the parks are a good way to understand the scale and keep a good perspective on the business. Because if you think of everything through the lens of parks, like, any movie that comes out, think, what does this mean for the parks? I think you're going to be in a good spot as far as decision-making. Absolutely. You know? um, so that's very exciting. It's another Bob. Bob Chapik, I believe, is his name. Yes, that is correct. Um, so that's that's exciting. Um, not the guy I think most people thought was going to be the replacement, so that was a little bit interesting. But I think mostly the news here is that Bob Iger, who is you know, one of the largest contributors to Disney – as a brand, if not the largest, is is going to be out of the fold, you know, within the next year or so. I think he's sticking around as chairman of the board until the end of 2021. Um, but we're 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 finally here to a point of Disney without Bob Iger, and so I want to talk a little bit about his legacy and what kind of sticks around. So, um, what were your thoughts whenever you heard this news? Two thoughts. Um, first off. Did he get to pick his successor in Bob Chapek? Yeah, it's it's usually the usually the case. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty. That's and that's like a big you know thumbs up like the mm-hmm. the Johnny Carson come on over sit in the chair like that's pretty sweet. Because um, I, I know that um, with um, Michael Eisner, mm-hmm. I think Bob Iger was around during the Michael Eisner 
era and okay. was kind of like being groomed during that time. So it's very much like a chain of succession type of deal. Good, good. That's, that's awesome. My second thought was, man, how great is it just to be like, you know, today I'm going to quit. <laughs> oh, man. And, and just have just ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, he's he's not super young. I think he's in his 60s. Sure. So late, late 60s. So. Although he looks like he's 37. Oh, he's, in, he's in great shape. He's in great shape. Um, and just looks really friendly. Yeah, he I know does. he's like the perfect face for Disney, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it must be nice. It must be nice for, for Bob. <laughs> I know he's like friends with Chris Paul. He was, there was a documentary with Chris Paul and he was like in the documentary. I was like, man, it must be nice. You know, <laughs> you're just like hanging out with NBA superstars. Like it's no big deal. You're running one of the most beloved companies in the entire world. Like, yeah. Must be great. But you know what? Well-deserved. He did a great job. He did. He really did. Um, my thoughts really are just the legacy of Bob Iger, I, and I said as much on Facebook, I think his legacy, whenever you measure up against all the different people who have helmed Disney over the years, I really think he stands second to only Walt himself, you know, and, and as, as close as you can be to Walt Disney and your contributions to Disney, he's, he's there. I mean, he was around for Marvel Studios acquisition, Lucasfilm acquisition, Fox acquisition, um, huge 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 acquisitions that have absolutely shaped the face of that brand globally have shaped the face of entertainment mm-hmm. um and i mean if you think about for me the one thing that's going to stick out to me always about bob Iger is what he's done for disney animation and and disney animated films and going back to basics whenever he took the took took the helm you know Disney Animation Studios was in the toilet. You know, Steve Jobs was coming in, having been involved with Pixar and becoming one of the largest shareholders, and he was saying, we need to get rid of Disney Animation Studios. This thing is a dump heap. They were cranking out all kinds of bad movies, Chicken Little, um, Brother Bear, you know, just bad, bad movies. Um, And Bob Iger took took a look at it and said, you know, this company was built on Walt Disney Animation, and we're going to rebuild it. And I think really the culmination of all of the work that he put in happened whenever Frozen came out. And Frozen was the thing and is the thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like debatably the biggest movie in Disney history. I mean, it's ginormous. So um, to take that studio to where it is now, to, to the films that they're creating now, it's it's pretty remarkable. You know, the the quality difference between early 2000s to where they are now is night and day. They're pretty much a lock to be good movies every single time they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give him a lot of credit because the animation is where it all starts. That's that's where you interact with children and make a difference in their lives, and that's what builds the sustainable business model, model of Disney, the, the nostalgia. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for here, for, from here for sure. Mm-hmm. But definitely, definitely the end of an era for Disney. For sure. All right. Moving on from Bob Iger, as hard as that is. Next story. We've got Jurassic World Ooh. 3. Colin Trevorrow announced last week that the title of this film will be, wait for it, Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion. And now it is time for our favorite thing, which is speculating wildly about things. <laughs> So I know you did not see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. No. Uh, so this movie came out the same weekend or a similar weekend to The Incredibles 2. 
And I remember Aubrey, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aubrey and I went to the theater. Just I think it was our anniversary weekend or something like that. And we we went to the theater and we said, hey. We're, we're unsure of what movie to pick. We, we know it's got to be Jurassic Park 2, sorry, Jurassic World 2 or Incredibles 2. What do you think? And unanimously, the six people that were crammed into the front box office, they were like, oh, you got to see Incredibles 2 because Jurassic World 2 is not good. Not good at all. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. We So I've not seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And you have, though, right? Yeah, so I watched it recently. I watched it within the last six months or so. I, I think my my real reaction to that movie is that I'm pretty lukewarm on it. It felt like a real departure from the first movie in terms of tone. I know the person who directed the film, whose name is escaping me at the moment, um, comes from a horror background. That was apparent. Um, the whole plot felt recycled to me as, I mean, it's Jurassic park, so it's going to feel pretty like <laughs> recycled, like dinosaurs walking around in common day, like present day is, is going to feel... But you have to have those creative connections like Jurassic World did. Like yeah, they, yeah. They recreated it in a, in a very exciting way. Yeah, so I mean, spoiler alert, like following the basic plot synopsis of Jurassic World 2 is like following the death of the guy who owned the island before, you know, because he, he got like attacked by pterodactyls while he was flying his helicopter and crashed it. Didn't yeah. he survive the helicopter crash and then got eaten? Yes, yeah, so yeah. I, don't, I don't remember exactly how that <laughs> went down, but he died, so all of those assets, the dinosaurs, were up for sale. This person was like pretending to be like a dinosaur lover and bought a bunch of them and was like auctioning them off to real people. <laughs> okay. And uh, Chris <laughs> Pratt and... Um, Bryce Dallas. Bryce Dallas Howard, not Jessica Chastain, even though they look exactly <laughs> the same. I always get them confused. Yeah, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, um, you know, we're trying to blow that whole scheme up. And long story short, dr- dinosaurs go everywhere. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like in the earth. Um, so they're they're out there. And so that that kind of brings us to Jurassic World Dominion. And earlier this earlier last year. Colin Trevor released the short, which was the battle at Big Rock, I think it was called, mm-hmm. or something like that, which was really nifty, um, which is basically like dinosaurs are just everywhere, just like walking around in the woods and stuff. So safe to assume that that's a portion of it. Anything else that you're like expecting or wanting to see in Jurassic World 3? Uh, did did we get confirmation on Sam Neill returning? Yeah, I believe all three, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff, Jeff Goldblum oh. are all returning, which is really good because I, the thing that I was most furious about with Jurassic World 2 is that Jeff Goldblum was in every trailer. Was he not? Oh, I, for Jurassic World 2? Oh, Doing yeah. his speech before Congress or whatever? Yes. He's in like 10 minutes of that movie. It's a total tease, wow. total joke. He was not a key player at all. I guess ho- hopefully he's a big key player in the third one. Nope. I think that's the goal. I, I mean, I don't know if this is meant to be like the big finale. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's been spoken but it, it sort of feels that way because this would be the third one in this series you're bringing in all of the originals like i don't know i think they kill sam neil at the end of this one. Oh, that would be so brutal i love sam neil but that's the only way that you really leave a lasting impression on on this here oh man i don't want it to happen yeah i mean a major <laughs> character death makes sense i guess it just like it's these not- movies have been so spaced out that yeah. it doesn't even feel like continuity matters all that much. So it's like, will it even feel that significant if he dies when we haven't seen him for, you know, 20 plus years in a Jurassic Park movie? I think they can make it worth it. They're not going to kill uh, Lord Dern. 
They're, no one's going to touch Jeff Goldblum. It's no, got to be Sam. It's the it's the Laura Dernissance. So you yes. can't you can't touch her. She's <laughs> untouchable. I've seen people using that phrase online. So, um, and Jeff Goldblum, like you said, Sam Neil was though the, he would be so fun to kill just because he he's hilarious and it would be it would be so funny. <laughs> Sam Neil is um, was the original protagonist, so it makes the most sense to take him out in the final chapter here. Mm. It could, it could. I don't know. I I want I want lots of action in this movie. Yes. I just like sometimes I just want dinosaurs doing dinosaur things. <laughs> and I want there for once to not be some sort of like cybernetically engineered super dinosaur because that's been the plot for like four four movies We're done. out of five. <laughs> And I'm kind of over that. Same. But I think it's good that Colin Trevorrow's back. I feel good about that. Because his Star Wars Episode Nine was going to be good. Did you read that? Did you no. read his... Oh, dude. Google it. Did he disclose the details of what well, was going to Well, it be? got leaked. And he basically... There were a bunch of leaks that he denied. And then this one he like basically didn't deny. And so everybody's like, yeah, this is the legit leak. Did we post this? I don't remember if we did or not. <laughs> I was scared to post it because so many of the leaks were being blown up. Okay, find that link. If I find it, it, we'll repost it. Um, but not to get too far off track, but his episode nine seemed legit. <laughs> seemed really legit. Sweet. Um, He's great. Yeah, so I think this is the right move for sure. For sure. Um, anything else on Jurassic World 3? Nothing. No, I, I me neither. I, I do really like the Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas characters in those movies. I felt like their characters felt kind of clunky and not important in the second movie so i'm hoping they get back to basics here are her nephews in the second one in fallen kingdom no bummer they were good I, they were they were good both really talented young actors mm -hmm. um maybe i just don't remember it i don't think they were i didn't see them in any of the trailers i don't think they are unless i'm gonna, I'm gonna confirm real real quick because what's this the older brother and again can't think of the names but the older brother for sure went on to do like eight different movies like immediately um including like a movie called love simon i'm pretty sure um yeah just, he was just, in love simon just which a was a plethora of other films like he was so good he was so good in that and i just want to wish the world for him and uh maybe, maybe offer up a chair maybe a chair raffle here next Ooh. to us at the pod. no they were not in that movie they okay not in that movie, maybe so. they'll be in this one yeah that'd be cool i mean Jim. they played kind of a big part in the first one. Oh yeah yeah that'd be good jurassic world dominion is that how you're gonna say it every time every single time i'm not opposed to that <laughs> <laughs> i can't do it so it makes me a little bit jealous you can do it try go ahead no i'm yeah, not going go. to i'm not I'm going to do hits. Believe in yourself. No. Next. I believe in you. Lizzie McGuire reboot. That thing is dead. Dead dead upon arrival. What happened, Kirk? Dead and gone, man. Dead and gone. Why? Cre what what is happening here? Yeah, from the only thing I can tell, creative differences. Uh Lizzie McGuire herself, she Hillary Duff, she wanted a grown up thirty year old Lizzie McGuire. And Disney said, No. Yeah, she wanted it on Hulu. Yes. Because there's a somebody has to explain the content rating thing that's going on on Disney Plus because the Simpsons are on there. Isn't that like fairly? I'm not like a big Simpsons guy, but that's like higher rated than PG, right? Well, a lot of the times it's TV 14. It just depends on the episode. Right. So I I would equate TV 14 to PG PG 13. So I'm like, I don't really get 
why that's allowed, but like Lizzie McGuire being PG-13 wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know. I think Hillary Duff saw this as an opportunity to honestly revitalize her career, you know? Sure. She, um, she's married, she's a mom, which is great, and she had her family time, and she loves her kids. It's very yeah. apparent in all of her social media, but now she's also like, well, yeah, I love my kids. I'm just going to bring them to set. And I'm going to see them between shots, you know, like, yeah, she's definitely trying to be uh, very much uh, a part of a part of the film industry world. Again, she was in a film. I think she was nominated for a Razzie. <laughs> she she did a film where she played Sharon Tate the same year that Once Upon a Time. Oh, in Hollywood that's right. Came out. Why does that seem to happen so much? I don't know. I really don't know. It's bizarre. It's, but yeah, I remember that. And so I'm, I'm always rooting for uh, for Hillary Duff. I thought she was fantastic in Lizzie McGuire and. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's a little sad. I hope that they come to figure out all these differences and these issues. Yeah, I mean, I think that I see both sides of it. I really do. As much as I want to agree with Hillary Duff, I, I do see both sides and why it would be beneficial for Disney to have this be rated PG or whatever, like TVG or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I give a lot of respect to Hillary Duff. I mean, it's clear that she's... She means business, you know, <laughs> like, like you said, I mean, she stepped away from acting at a time where she really probably left a lot of money on the table just to kind of commit to her family life. And that's always admirable. Um, yeah. So I, I give her a lot of respect and she's advocating for herself one way or the other. I mean, I, I don't think either party is wrong here. I do think it's just a difference and I'd rather see someone advocate for themselves than be in a project that they don't agree with from a creative direction perspective. So, right. I agree. I hope they work it out. I, I kind of wonder, I don't know. I, I, I get it from Disney's perspective. I don't see a Lizzie McGuire th- anything doing well on Hulu or doing well. I don't know. I think it would be a very niche product at that point. And so it's, it's tough to see a path forward here, but I really do hope they resolve it. Yeah. And honestly, you know, Lizzie McGuire was not like an eight year old show. It was like a tween show. So, oh yeah, it was for and, sure. And so you just same thing with when Incredibles two came out. There, you know, the creators of that film were like, "Well, it's not really for little kids. It's for a, it's for older kids." Hundred percent. And the parents who saw Incredibles, even Incredibles has some, uh, you know, has a lot of violence in it. You know, it's a great film, but it's not meant for. Yeah, it's a higher levels. level of maturity than I think most Pixar's are. Yeah, you just gotta know. You gotta know you. You gotta know your kids. You gotta know where you're at with their maturity and what they can watch. And I feel like having a 30-year-old Lizzie McGuire is great. Yeah. And Hillary, if you're listening to this, we want to do whatever we can. Yeah, we as, support you. As a Midwestern podcast. Yes. To get you what you need. Yes. We have no financing. Yes, but I know you're listening. I can feel it. Hillary. I can feel it in, in my bones. <laughs> All right. Next, for the first time ever, we are getting an Indiana Jones movie that is not directed by Mr. Steven Spielberg. Say what? That's right. Steven Spielberg has decided to step down from the helm of directing Indiana Jones 5 and give way to one of our favorite directors, Mr. James Mangold. hey Um, Who directed Ford versus Ferrari. He directed Logan. He directed all kinds of incredible films. He's really a great director. Um... So exciting on that front. This whole thing was amicable. And from what I read, it was Steven Spielberg's idea. He just thought, you know what? It's time for some new flavor in here. He's staying on as executive producer. This wasn't a creative differences thing like we saw with Doctor Strange. This was truly just like a, hey, I think it would be better if somebody else did this film for, for this, that, and the other reason, which is totally fine. And I think 
I don't know. So Indiana Jones as a franchise is in an interesting spot. I don't think, and I could be making wild assumptions here. Do it. But I don't get the feel that many people are clamoring for a fifth Indiana Jones movie. Not at all. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was the fourth installment in Indiana Jones, was largely the most hated. Um, my opinion on that movie is that it's not a bad movie, but it is a bad Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. And so it leaves the it leaves the franchise in a really, really strange place. Um, Harrison Ford is returning, which is good. Shia LaBeouf is almost certainly not returning, <laughs> <laughs> returning after his reception in the fourth movie, Sorry, which is Shia. a bummer. Um but I mean, you know, you look at this project. It's like it's Indiana Jones, great. You know, I I I love Steven Spielberg. I love James Mangold. I'm not mad about either of those things, but I still wonder what this project is going to end up looking like when all said and done. You know, you have to hope that Steven Spielberg was just sitting in his chair one night and he just had an epiphany. He's like, I've got it, episode five of Indiana Jones, and he's just started writing. Because otherwise, why are we doing this? Because monetarily, there's not like a call for it. Like there was when when all the Star Wars uh, episode seven, eight, nine came out, right? There's no, there's not a drive behind it. I guess that's my question: is like, it this will be really interesting when this film hits the theaters? Because my assumption, just by looking at, it is this is going to make a billion dollars easy globally, but I don't know what what does the market for Indiana Jones look like? I don't think our nephews who are eleven and nine. Jude and Beck, I don't think they know much of anything about Indiana Jones outside of riding the ride at Disneyland. Right. They still have the show, which we did not see when we went there. Yeah. It is still an active show. I wonder if they want this movie to create a a new show because it's the same show that has been there since the 90s. Yeah, I just, I think that what we're going to see is a bunch of people who are 40 years old dragging their kids to go see this movie, which will, it will still make money. I just don't know. Like you're saying, like, I don't know that anyone's clamoring for this, but yeah. I've so, always so been... you, you do hope, sorry to cut you off there. You, you do hope that Steven Spielberg was the one driving this, but you have to think that it was the big wigs at Disney going, it's time for another one. It's an easy billion dollars. Let's do it. Because that Indiana Jones ride is incredible in California. It's legit. And it, it's been around for a while and it still holds up. It's so good. It's yeah. it's exciting. It's um you, you just it, it's so immersive and they just did it right. So it has to connect with the parks. It has to connect with a new era of how Harrison Ford I'm sorry, how Indiana Jones can be on screen and yeah. navigate some kind of adventure. Like, what does that look like? I'm so intrigued. I'm a big Indiana Jones fan, but I still at the same time think like, it, is it worth it? I do wonder, you know, I think, I think Disney's ideal scenario for this movie is that somebody else would take the helm. Mm-hmm. But Harrison Ford made it clear that that's not happening while he's living, uh, <laughs> that he is Indiana Jones now and forever, which, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's whatever. But I do think that it'd be a more favorable position if Disney was rebooting right now. Here's what's gonna happen, just like, <laughs> just like Han Solo, he's gonna say, "I must be killed in this film because no one else will play me after." Oh, it could be same strategy. That's the only reason why Han died. You yeah. Do it. you think he would go as far as to make it make it contractually, like written into his contract? I mean, as a stipulation. One hundred percent. 
I mean, there's always been the Chris Pratt, Indiana Jones rumor, which is like the obvious <laughs> choice there. I mean, he's very much fits that. I mean, his outfit that he wears as Owen Grady. Yep. Yeah, is very similar to Indiana Jones. So I think people see the similarities, but I don't know how much of a market there is for an old Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones 5. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'll be first in line to go see it when it comes out for sure. It's must watch either way. Mm hmm. Um, so wish James Mangold the best in what I feel is a kind of risky and questionable project overall. Um, okay, moving into our last bit of news and transitioning into the horror, suspense, thriller aspect of our program, Candy Man. Candy Man. No, Candy stop. Man. Do not. Candy Man. I'm going to mute you. Candy Man. Muted. Candy Man. Muted you. Candy Man. Why would you do that? I literally said right before we came on not to do it. I don't know why you did it. Because is it based on a true story? No, no, of course not. <laughs> of course not. But if you get murdered with a giant hook across your neck tomorrow, I'm going to say, you know what? Sucks to be you, but you brought this on yourself. I think I do that because I want to face my fears. Uh, because horror movies scare me. I was scared to see The Invisible Man. Invisible Man and uh, this movie is far it looks far scarier than the invisible man yeah i guess it does I, I mean the trailer didn't bother me that much okay i have to say the trailer didn't bother me that much just because the idea of a guy with a hook like a giant hook is kind of goofy <laughs> i prefer things when you can't really see any aspect of them that's what's scary to me because mm -hmm. like for me um like the conjuring lost its luster as soon as you saw the chick on top of the thing on top of the hutch thing that she jumped off of, oh gosh which was the worst jump scare in the history of jump scares <laughs> i i died inside whenever that happened um but i mean it kind of like lost its fear to me once i saw it because inevitably it looks it looks ridiculous so the hook thing that the candy man has i don't think it looks that scary now the movie looks good mm -hmm. like like good production value that guy um I don't want to butcher his name, so look, give me a second. Yep, he's got a difficult name to say, but he looks incredible, and he, he looks like he owns that role. I will say that things like this, even though I know they're not real, <laughs> they, they, they still find a way those jump scares just give me such anxiety in the yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen II. He was in Watchmen okay. and was so good. Um, so as soon as I saw this trailer popped up, I was like, man, he looks familiar. Saw that he was in Watchmen. I was like, oh, we're in good hands. It's produced by Jordan Peele. Also good hands. Uh, Braun Productions as well, which is a, you know, their up and coming production company. So obviously, obviously in good hands in terms of horror. It looks like a Jordan Peele horror movie, even though it's not directed by him. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I thought the trailer was effective, mm -hmm. but it didn't make me pee my pants there were no big jump scares in that trailer i didn't feel like no just um just creepy just creepy all around man i went through that um that article that you posted about top 21 jump scares first yes. of all any jump scare so the worst jump scare to me the one that's going to give me fear goosebumps and make me want to die every single time is the running towards the camera mm -hmm. i can't handle it i just can't i've seen it a thousand times i can not handle it i watched the video um, in that in that article of Annabelle running towards the screen and turning into like 
a monster demon thing. Yep. And I think that's a stupid movie, and it still scared me and gave me fear <laughs> goosebumps. I don't know what it is. I'm just like, I cannot take it. Dude, because it's so unnatural, because when you see things on the screen, nothing's supposed to come at you. And it's yeah. and then when they're running full force, okay, it's so like Orphanage, toca la pared. You know, they knock on that door, and then for, they like spot, they pop up yeah. from a distance, then a little bit closer, then a little closer, and then they run at you, and no. it's terrifying. No, no, I don't like it. So Jordan Peele, master of studying horror and what creeps people out, yeah. He's got it down. Any any version of something running at the screen is bad. I thought it was hilarious that the number one jump scare on that list was Bilbo from Lord of the Rings because it's so true. Yes. <laughs> I've seen Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, probably a hundred plus times easily. And I looked away from the screen every time because it scared me to death when his face turns all demented and he's like, Rah. It's because it's evil. I think oh, that's man. what's Oh, man. I was like, why did you do this, Peter Jackson? Yeah. I'm just an unsuspecting 14-year-old. Like, why are you ruining my life with this? <laughs> so, anyway, jump scares. Um, this movie that we're reviewing this week had jump scares galore. Uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about The Invisible Man now. At the end, we're not only going to give our score, we're going to give our pee-your-pants meter <laughs> score. How high of a score do you give it on the pee your pants meter? So stay tuned for that. Um, if you listened to last week's episode, first of all, if you didn't, go back and listen to it because it was Shia Palooza and it was awesome. Shia LaBeouf. Yes, it was so fun. Um, but also we retired Tweet Synopsis, which was a monumental occasion. So um, it's my turn to go first this week, which means I have the honor of synopsing this movie, The Invisible Man. Do it. All right, so The Invisible Man follows... Elizabeth Moss's character, whose name is Cecilia, and she is on the run from her abusive, in more ways than one, husband, Adrian Griffin. Now, her she, she gets away from him. She gets to a friend's house. Her friend's name is James. She's living with him. And while she's there, she hears that her husband has actually killed himself by, by suicide. Um, so she goes and she signs an agreement to get all this money so long as you know she's not claimed to be mentally unstable she doesn't commit a felony or whatever um well then she starts to feel a presence following her and then that presence starts to feel more like a a person but it's invisible the whole time and so she's trying to figure out what's going on and that is the synopsis of the invisible man yes it is 2020 Yes, because, yeah, 1933 is the other one. <laughs> and is there, is there a third version of this? No. So the Invisible Man character is public domain because it's, like, super old. That's right. And so, which I don't think the movie from 1933 is, or else I would have used some hilarious clips from it because there's some <laughs> hilarious dialogue and things in that movie. Um, <laughs> one in particular that I tried to take a screenshot of. Did you know that Amazon Prime won't let you take screenshots of shows and movies because I did. it's copywritten? I did because I tried to do that not too long ago. Yeah, I tried to do that because a line flashed along the screen in this movie <laughs> where, the, where the cop who was in charge of this investigation said, well, the problem is, is that he's invisible. <laughs> that was an actual line in the movie. He figured it out. <laughs> I'm dying. And I, I like literally paused it and died because I was like, yep, some person wrote that line of dialogue. I don't care what year it is. That is a terrible, <laughs> terrible line. Um, oh. That whole movie, by the way, I mean, it's an all-time great movie in the same way that Many of those old films are. You have to you have to evaluate them for the time. 
no movie that's 87 years old is going to age super well. You know, the Citizen Kane's and It's a Wonderful Life of the World are pretty, like, pretty hard to find. Just lightning in a bottle. But this movie had some really good effects. I don't I don't know how they were able to make him invisible. I don't know if green screen was around back then. It looked like green screen. Like, it looked like they put him in a green... You know how, like, how ridiculous it looks if you wear, like, a green shirt and then go on a green screen, like, your body disappears? That's what this looks like. Yeah. And so I assume that's what they did, but I just can't imagine that green screen was around in 1933. We'll have to check that out. We'll have to check that out and let everyone be, everybody I don't know why it. I didn't check it out. I was just like, wow, these are pretty cool effects for 1933. Mm-hmm. But the film had such a weird... So it's not scary in the slightest. I think probably because it's 1933. But also, like, it wasn't even scary in, like, an Alfred Hitchcock way, like, suspense way. It was just, like, kind of funny. Like, there <laughs> there was definitely a tone of humor. He was... The Invisible Man was very much like, yeah, I'm going to steal your bike, you know? Like, even when he was, like, killing people, like, he drove this guy off a bridge and, like, yeah, he tied this guy up and then drove his car off of a cliff and it, like, burst into flames and that guy died. Like, even that was, like, pretty funny. So, I don't know. The tone of the whole thing was very strange. He's a vaudevillian Invisible Man. Yeah, I would, I highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. Check out that movie. It's an hour and 10 minutes, so it's a really quick, quick watch. It's like watching a show on HBO. Um... Anyway, so I watched that. It, I can tell you, because the whole reason I watched it was to see what the similarities were. The only ones that I saw were some of the camera things, some of the camera movements were similar in this version to the 1933, which was cool. That was, that was a really cool, like, subtle homage that I'm sure the director thought, like, only he would notice because he probably watched the original and was like, oh, I'll take these effects and things like that. Yep. And then um, the name, the, the guy's <laughs> name in the movie is in in the 1933 version is jack griffin in this movie his name is adrian griffin so there you go there's there's your tie-ins i'm glad (laughs) i spent an hour and 10 minutes of my life watching that movie so that i could uh, tie into that but anyway the invisible man 2020 is what we're talking about now we are i i want to go back to the beginning of this film um, because she, it, it's about she's in an abusive relationship and she escapes. And if, have you ever <laughs> stay with me? Have you ever seen Jennifer Lopez's Enough? No, I haven't actually. Man, it felt like that moment. It's such a powerful moment. You're like, what's going on? Like, oh, she's rolling out. This yeah. is this is good. Get out of there, friend. You you know exactly what's going on. It's it's well played at, at the beginning of this, and, and you know you it sets up the whole the whole relationship of what's going on with everything. So it's so fun. She's on the run from the moment this movie starts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's dive into this thing. Let's go with the Oscar. Who we're giving the Oscar to? Who was the best actor in this film? Who is that? Is that me? No, it's me. Okay, go ahead. My choice (laughs) is Miss Elizabeth Moss. Mm -hmm. She was phenomenal. This was her show. It was very much a tour de force type of performance. Um, she was owning it top to bottom. She, I really give her a lot of credit because, you know, we, we make fun when she was in the kitchen cause that movie was terrible, but I give her a lot of credit for the roles that she chooses because she is a superstar actress. She could be in anything that she wants to be. Really. She could have her pick of the litter after handmaid's tale, which she's incredible in mad men. She's incredible in, she's been in some inc- incredible, incredible films, but I, you know, she she ends up popping up in these horror films, which I feel like is a really risky genre to dabble in as an actor because 
well, first of all, people associate you with horror films, which is yes. not something you want to be associated with. It's not exactly the most critically acclaimed genre of film. Um, but also it's just, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to give a good horror film performance. It's hard to be scared and do so in a way that's convincing and not annoying. Um, I thought Elizabeth Moss was incredible. She, her whole story is basically that she feels that her husband is invisible, has the, has found the ability to be invisible and no one believes her. And excuse me, it becomes harder and harder for her to convince people because things keep happening that are contrary to what she's saying. So it just makes her seem insane. And she just perfectly shows us that descent into madness that would occur if no one could trust or believe you and you're losing all your friends and family and all of those things. So um, kudos to her. I thought she did fantastic. Yeah, she she creates this this world of isolation um, the camera does a really good job at this as well uh, of showing how empty her life is around yes. her. Yes. Um, but it has to start with her, and she does it so well. Um, you mentioned some of the things that she's been in, like her, her top two from recent years. But, man, she's been in a couple of other big monumental movies, at least for me as a, as a kid from the 90s. So Peggy from Mad Men, she played June in The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Um, this is a throwback. She was in a version of Escape to Witch Mountain back in, I think, 1980 or 1990, uh, something opposite of, wait for it, Eric Von Detten, which is one of my <laughs> nice favorite, char- like, just random surfer dude actor. Yeah. He's not doing anything now, at least I don't think he is, but I remember watching that movie, and when I saw that she was in the version that I watched as a kid, I was like, that's why that movie is so good because I remember her performance and Eric Von Detten, of course, like escaped to which mountain with the two of them is just incredible. Um, she was in anywhere, but here with uh, Natalie Portman, um, girl interrupted. And of course she's coming up in the French dispatch yeah, as well. Absolutely. By the way, she's my Oscar goes to, yeah, I just for wanted sure. to toss, throw that out there. She, she um, doesn't have any kind of inhibitions. She's not worried about, her character when she comes on the screen there's no hesitation for elizabeth moss when she's in the zone so just her confidence knows no bounds because it'd be very easy for this um this isolated manic character to feel confused or look confused and she is not confused Mm -hmm. everyone else is confused by her behavior and she plays it so convincingly that uh, that she knows in her heart what is happening and kudos to her yep absolutely um Let's go into Scene Stealer. If there, let's talk about any other actors that gave performances that were memorable. Mine see, my Scene Stealer for this film is a gentleman by the name of Aldous Hodge, who is a SAG Award-winning actor. He's been in Hidden Figures. He plays the role of James. James is a police officer and also the host for Elizabeth Moss while she is displaced and not in a home and also needs some support because of what she's going through. She has some extreme paranoia and fear going on. James is, or and Aldous Hodge, does a great job of being the other emotional counterpoint in this movie. He's the only other character that gets to go through an entire sequence of emotions and experience a full-scale storyline, really, um, which is desperately, desperately needed in this film because I think 
Elizabeth Moss just has so much on her shoulders in this movie that there needs to be another person who's able to ratchet up the dynamics in a scene and also match her level of dynamism, I guess, match her level of intensity in scenes. And he's right there the whole way and able to do that. Um, I don't think it was his best performance, but I do think that he's the other standout in this cast. The only reason I say that is because it really felt to me throughout this movie that he was kind of doing his best Anthony Mackie impression. (laughs) You know, Um, there were some, some choices in his performance that were quite reminiscent of Anthony Mackie and felt pretty derivative, um, which, you know, that, that sometimes happens. And, and frankly, the character that they wrote was not the deepest, most complex character. So he didn't have a lot of different places to go with it, but um, that's nitpicking. And I honestly think he did a great job. And I think that this movie, as much as Elizabeth Moss is the total catalyst for everything that happens, I think this movie gets really messy if there's not one other supporting character who can bring balance to the um, the level of intensity in this movie, mm-hmm. and and he plays that role perfectly. I think you could say that his biceps might also be that other counterpart. Bro, <laughs> he is in great, phenomenal shape. It is absurd how good a shape he is in. He, the one scene he comes in in just this the I what is it the tank top? I, I, there was a, yeah yeah lots no of debate he's, yeah previously. he's. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the tank, it's a tank, it's top. A tank top. And he's leaning over talking to her and his daughter and just there's like four, 40 inches of straight muscle on both sides of him. I was surprised the table didn't break. <laughs> I was like, bro, chill. It's it, insane. It's wild. It's wild. So, yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, I I think that was a great choice. Um, he wasn't my pick, but I do want to shout out that he was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's which, right. Which is Die Hard 3. Yes. Uh, he plays Samuel L. Jackson's nephew in one of the opening scenes. So he's he's fantastic. He's been around for a long time. Um, I'm going to go with Michael Dorman, who plays, um, the, who plays Elizabeth Moss's brother-in-law. So he is oh, okay, the yeah. brother of her abusive husband. And his attorney. And also his attorney, he he becomes the, yeah he he's he's trying to figure out all of the legalities going on with with each of them. Um, I thought this guy was great at first. I honestly I didn't know what was happening with him, where he was as a character, where he was as an actor, but then I really settled into to his vibe. Um, he he had a good range with limited screen time. Very uh, limited, but yes. Very, and he pulls off a mustache, which you got to give credit for anyone who can pull <laughs> off a mustache <laughs> yeah. and not look like a creep. He just looked like this fancy hipster with the uh, lots of money. I just thought that his um, his balance of power, trying to be, um, you know, kind to his his brother's uh, legacy and also feeling for his sister-in-law who he'd probably come to know and love this balance this balancing act of who do i side with the tension between that was really well done for for his character so i hope we see more of him uh, he's only been in a few things uh, like daybreakers with sam neil yep. that i did not see um, just just a couple of things like that so uh Patri- he was in patriot which was a limited series or a limited show that i don't think continued but looks like an interesting show but i really think that there, we're going to see more of him in the near future yeah his and his character is also sort of mysterious for plot reasons too that's part of the reason that you don't fully know what where his character stands but he does play it really well and kind of keeps that that plot line 
open and available, you know, mm-hmm. so, so that it can be used later on in the film. So very good choice. Very, very good choice. All right. Showstopper. My showstopper is, um, the sound mixing and sound editing, uh, because they use a technique that we've seen a couple of times in horror films, specifically paranormal activity is the one that comes to mind, which is using a really, really low frequency rumble to create a presence, you know, to, to create a physical presence. Um, but they did so in, in a much more detailed and robust and finessed way this time around. I mean, they really used these almost inaudible white noise sounds that you almost weren't aware of to create the feeling that someone was in the room to, to indicate that someone was in the room and to indicate where they were at, uh, using these tiny, um, you know, auxiliary sounds in addition to it. I thought it was honestly brilliant. And with the camera work, you could tell there's many times in this movie where the camera moves and there's nothing on it. Um, there's nothing on camera as a no person, but they use the sound and the work of the camera to tell you like, we're following the invisible man, you know, like this is him moving about and the sort of, um, troughs and peaks of those sound effects help create this image in, in your mind of the invisible man to the point where you almost feel like you can see him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, but it's, it's very effective. I, I was very impressed by that. I thought, I didn't really know what to think of this movie. I always go into horror movies like, uh, I'm going to be scared. And also I doubt it's going to be that good. Um, but I really thought that once that kind of started from the very beginning, that they really hooked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that was something that helped make the suspense moments so much more impactful and helped to really build the level until the point of the jump scare or the, you know, change of direction or what have you. So that was really, really a cool effect. Yeah. I wish I had your ears, man. I feel like I, I could feel that, but I couldn't necessarily hear all of the nuances of it. But I I felt I felt everything that you just talked about, but I couldn't yeah, I just need to get my hearing checked. <laughs> <laughs> I well I have a I'm a musician by nature, so I, I'm just a little bit more aware of such things yeah. i feel i think my ear my eardrums blew out for seven years at the <laughs> skating rink as a dj so maybe one day they'll come back uh, when i get a hearing aid so what i liked about this movie for my showstopper were all the practical effects and the limited cgi and so they kind of work in tandem with tandem with what you were saying is that items falling off counters and footprints on various surfaces so practical effects but then also limited cgi because those are the things that withstand the test of time um you know shout out jumanji which the worst cgi of all time one (laughs) of the greatest films of all time but still like uh this this thing's gonna hold up for a long time based on on those scenes alone um whether it was lights turning on lamps falling over just various things that you would just assume that uh, a maniacal invisible man would do throughout the film i I love those pieces and uh very and a very very well timed once we get the reveal of the Invisible Man himself, which you obviously should have guessed was going to happen in a film oh, like for this. Sure. Yeah, good, good choice. Um, I really, I, I, I think this is such a cool film for so many reasons. Just like that concept of Invisible Man, you're kind of bringing it up, like it withstanding the test of time. Not only the effects in the film, but watching the remake, they use some of the same effects in 1933 that they used in this movie. Oh, you know? cool. It's like it's totally timeless. I mean. 
stuff falling over chairs looking like they have impressions in them it's just it's very very cool and credit to hg wells man who wrote this story for creating a character and a fear that withstands time you Listen. know it's totally totally just as applicable now and will be in the future as it ever has been i gotta talk about my son so at halloween for some reason one of the amazon curated playlists played uh, somebody's watching me yeah however somebody's watching me nailed it that thank you that song scares him to death because he played it he played it he played it and he finally started thinking about the words like oh my gosh dude somebody is watching me <laughs> so yeah. that fear of just um, being in constant surveillance is very much a fear of his even at six years old um and i have mentioned before i feel like i'm living on the truman show and everyone around me is an act is an actor so I, he must get it from me a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean just the idea that there could like what an invisible man would be capable of what a person with the invisibility ability would be capable of it's still just as true now as it ever was like that person would be able to wreak total havoc yes i mean we have like i guess you could say that like the military has like heat sensors and things like that that they'd eventually snuff them out but the average joe who's at home like they're totally screwed if somebody <laughs> comes in invisible and tries to kill them like it's over correct so it's just such an interesting thing that you can take the exact same concept and it's such a simple concept you know it's just an invisible dude <laughs> um and repeat it you know 80 90 years apart and it's just as effective it's totally wild it's terrifying all right let's jump into director's shoes um this movie had some issues, <clears throat> to be sure. I think supporting cast struggled overall. I don't think the writing helped them out at all, particularly um, Elizabeth Moss's sister, who was a really poorly written character, um, and it would have been better if she had been better written, but also delivery was rough um, from that perspective. And also the like the police officers who came in and were um, involved in this case, just real, real bad, <laughs> you know, not, didn't have much dialogue, but the physical acting, the face acting, the face, yeah, the facial <laughs> expressions, just, just overall, like what is going on? Yeah. Overall, not good. They could have been in the 1933 movie with the, <laughs> with the facial expressions they were making. Um, I think that the suspense, the suspense sequences were great for the most part, but there were definitely instances where they overindulged themselves and couldn't remain disciplined. I think director Lee Winnell, um, let them go on a little too long at times would have been good to cut them down a bit because you can only be on the edge of your seat for so long before you're like, screw this. I don't even care what happens. <laughs> and there's one scare in this movie, which I think is the really first significant moment um, scare moment in the movie that just went on for far too long. And there's like three different sequences that happen that build up to it. And then whenever like the thing happens, it's like, well, a, I knew that was coming and B, like, sorry, I was scared for 10 straight minutes, but now you lost me. <laughs> so I think there were times where that was, um, you know, it, they needed to be a little bit more disciplined there and be a little bit more restrained. Um, so it kind of, kind of, cost them a little bit in the momentum category there but also the trailer man the trailer showed way too much way too much because um and i know that when the trailer came out that was everybody's take was that 
wow, that trailer shows you the entire movie. And the director was quick to go on Twitter and be like, no, 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 guys, trust me. Like, there's a lot more here. And I, I think from a plot perspective, there was. But they show a lot of things in the trailer that happen late in film that you can kind of piece together because you're like, okay, this has happened. That caught me by surprise, but we still have to get to here because I know that because I saw it in the trailer. We still have to get to here and this is the logical way to get to there. So I think this sequence of events is going to happen. And so it gets to be a little predictable, um, which is a shame because the plot is really well thought out and really well structured. Um, so I think those three things, the writing um, paired with the supporting cast, um, the, the trailer and also the sequences of suspense being too long kind of brought this movie down from its full potential, which I think it had tons and tons of potential. It did. Yeah. I echo all of that there. This movie feels every bit of two hours long, if not longer at times. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll also say that I drank way too much, uh, during this movie and was (laughs) was about to actually pee my pants. Like the anxiety, it didn't help. Like it was, it was like, all right, like accelerating my bladder, uh, ratio there. So, you know, there, you talked about momentum. There is a segment in this film that feels very forced where they kind of stop doing what they were doing that that built the momentum at the first half of this movie and which is they take away practical effects and they just just surge on cgi and i'm like yeah take it back a notch you can use cgi but when you've only shown us practical effects this then to just jump into that it's too much it's too disjointed and it was probably the idea to be disjointed to cause stir and uneasiness and confusion but they went over overboard they they took it too far unfortunately um the director is the same director as the first saw film um, yeah also the main actor in saw the the guy who's most who, who's mostly alive who's not carrie elwes um that has to saw his foot off right mm-hmm. so uh, so he knows horror. He knows how to write it. And yeah, he just signed a big deal with Blumhouse. I saw like multiple film contracts. So yeah, good for him. Because this this film is getting lots of accolades already. Yeah, you know from from critics, and um, I think that it, it lost its potential when it kind of lost its identity in that main segment. Because when you when it finally got its footing again near near the end of the film, and I was glad for that because it does have a strong ending. It it does kind of nail the ending, but it was sad to sit through this segment of the film and be like oh wait what are you doing go you were you were on such a good ride and um you know what one of the things that that also you talked about was the supporting cast so there's a period of time not long but just bits and pieces where elizabeth moss is not on the screen and if the story can't support uh those actors then the story is not written correctly yeah agreed so obviously elizabeth moss carried this film on her shoulders and uh, there needs to be some acknowledgement when you when you watch that thing and maybe call them back for some for some post uh, post editing reshoots and get that thing amped back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think it's I can see where the good reviews are coming from for sure. But there, this is a far from perfect movie, and it it just you hate to see it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, you, hate, you hate to see it because oh, it was like right there. You know, I mean, it just really felt like it was right there to being this great iconic generational type scary movie um during a time when you know we've talked about horror is in a really good spot right now there's a lot of good horror movies coming out there's a lot of good creators in the horror space um i think this one will still stack up as one of the better horror movies in recent memory but 
let's uh, before I go too far, let's jump into overall thoughts and let's score it. Um, I think what you're left with here is a really, really good scary movie. I, I think that um, it could have been stronger, but you, what you're left with is something that directors, producers, actors should hang their hats on. It's a really effective production. It is scary for sure. Um, it'll maybe give you heebie-jeebies for like one night. I don't expect to be freaked out. Like I wasn't freaked out by it. I saw it yesterday. Mm-hmm. I wasn't freaked out by it like last night, but I could see how you might <laughs> given like if you're someone who is affected by scary movies. Oh yeah. Um, but overall I thought it was good. And I, what I want to stress most about this movie and probably why I feel favorably toward this movie is that this is how you do a remake. And I want to stress that this is an appropriate called for remake at a time when so many remakes are happening for no reason whatsoever other than money grab. This was the right time to make this movie. What they what they did here in their whole thesis was totally realistic and feasible for 2020 while utilizing that classic invisible man, great story. This is it, man. This is how remakes should be happening. This this is why you remake a movie to say, here's an old story. It's out of date. That story that as they told it in 1933 and before does not work. But this plot, this well, this concept could work in 2020 and here's how. Let's do it. That that's exactly right. They're thinking about it exactly the right way. Kudos to Blumhouse who fronted this thing. They this is the kind of movie to make. I was very, very pleased with the remake. I was very, very pleased with the overall direction. Um, I'm giving it a 7.9 out of 10, which hurts me to do. I, I, I really felt like I could have gone higher, but there's too many sloppy issues with this movie to overlook. So I gave it a 7.9 and kept it just below that great territory. But I really do feel like in the horror genre, this one is a step above the vast majority of horror films that you'll you'll see. Yeah, this this is like a little engine that could because the budget for this film was seven million dollars. Yeah, kudos. And so far, opening weekend twenty eight point two million domestic. Boom! Bravo! You yeah. won. You won the lottery. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was twenty nine million internationally, which is good. Sick. That's great. Like they did a good job overall. They really did R- remake. Um, you 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 could. I can't speak anymore on that. You said it perfectly about how. Don't bring a remake back unless it's going to reintroduce new ideas, but take the, just live off of the, the world of the Invisible Man. So yeah. I really don't have that much more to say. Um, it's it's exactly what you said in my score. I was going to come in with a 7.8 kernel. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right, right on par with you. Yeah, and I, I haven't read the reviews. I saw that this has like a pretty high Rotten Tomatoes score, but I would, I would bet that a lot of critics are where we're at. Yes. I would bet that they are favorable of this movie because it was better than they anticipated favorable of it because they're excited to see a remake that's actually worthwhile but that you know they they're not like head over heels crazy about the movie and this reignites what's it called the the monster world the what do they call it oh yeah Um, yeah you're right shoot i forget i should have i should have memorized this (laughs) the um yeah, yeah, all those classic monsters. I want to say the monster universe, but the or the after dark universe, or yeah, so something the, like that. The mummy is part of this. That obviously the reboot of that with Tom Cruise failed. Yes, um, but there's this, and there's you know several others that they're trying to. Yeah, these know. classic monster films that they're trying to reinvigorate. Yeah, so. so it's now it's possible that we'll we'll see some more follow suit uh, along the lines of this. Yeah, 
And maybe there's a collab. Maybe there is. One thing's for sure. Elizabeth Moss is going to need to see a chiropractor after this film because she put this film on her back, (laughs) carried it across the finish line. So, all right. Moving right along to our schoolyard pick of abilities. Anything is on the table here. And you, my friend, you, Kirk, get to go first. Perfect. Hit me. Number one. Number one pick. My number one pick. Anything. Any ability. Any ability. Anyone. Well, you know I love to sing. Sure. So I'd love to be a male siren. Mm. So if you know about this, sirens are these mythical creatures where their beautiful, lovely golden tones when they sing lures people to them and then they'll do whatever you want them to do. Would you use your powers for good or for evil? Good. I'm talking like free raising canes. Uh, I'm talking. That's evil though. You're stealing things. <laughs> I'm not. Well, I'm not like hurting anybody True. except. I mean, I'm hurting business. But, but you would be like, give me money. You know, give me, give me money. Get me to the front of the line. Yeah. Um, give me screeners for to help our podcast. Yeah. I'd smooth the right people, but I would just love that for two reasons because I love to sing and I sing just about anything for any reason throughout any day, and then of course getting people to do what I want. Yeah. But not like in a creepy way. Yeah, like I in a, Yeah, I, I got Like you. in a fun way. Like, hey, I got some free chicken strips. You know, yeah. that's what I want. It's always chicken strips with you. I love chicken. I am a four-year-old child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good pick. No, definitely not where I saw you going with pick one. Thank you. Um, I'm going with a bit more conventional with pick one. I'm taking telekinesis off the board. Dang it. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with telekinesis, I don't know who that is, but it's the ability to move things with your mind. And... There's really no limit to this. We've seen this stretch to all of the different imaginable concoctions of this ability. Like being able, like I think um, the Jedi, um, you know, the Force is kind of like this, you know? And they get to the point where they can like manipulate people's brains and like extract information. I don't know that that counts for telekinesis, but basically where this comes from is I'm lazy. (laughs) and I too would not use my powers for evil. I would use them for good, but I would use them to make my life as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. I'd be, um, I don't know how much multitasking Would my ability to multitask increase with telekinesis. I think if you think of it from like a Matilda, like, yeah, could I be Matilda and be like ironing a shirt over here and like making waffles over here all while I'm like writing a paper. Absolutely. Matilda's done it. Jean gray has done it. You're good, man. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, all of those things are great reasons. Um, telekinesis also can kind of be like flight because you can like manipulate the air i don't know yeah it's kind of like a you're it's more of like a hover rather because you can't like fly yourself like way up high but you could carry your body but i mean let's be honest like the vast majority of what i would be using this for would be to open the fridge and get coca-cola out of it (laughs) and bring it to me i would use it to um, bring the remote controls to my hand open the back door to let the dogs out 100 percent oh that's the big one feed the dogs feed the dogs change diapers I mean, th- there's no limit to what I could use this ability for, but it's all for laziness. Let's be clear. All for laziness, not for evil, not for practicality. It's a beautiful choice. Um, I see your laziness, and I raise you teleportation. 
Oh, good one. I had that on my list. Yeah, because, you know, I feel like half of my day is spent at work, and then the other half of my day is spent driving to different places, driving to work, driving from work, driving to gymnastics, driving to the grocery store. Um, it's all driving. And yes. then I think about vacations, and, like, uh, 20% of vacation is traveling. You have a whole two days of travel, right. generally. Yeah. So like if you yeah, if you don't have a long vacation, it can become 50% of your vacation, right? So I just think that teleportation would be fantastic. I uh, sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's great bonding, road trips. Sure. It, you know, flight trips, but like for those things where you're like, man, I really got to go to Target tonight to pick up some diapers. Well, I just want to get there and get home. Right? That's it. Um or just like pop in on places that you never could afford to fl- to fly to. Like, hey, I'm going to go to Europe. Yeah. I'm going to go to um, 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 Kathmandu. Like, why not? Yeah, or you like you could, instead of summiting Everest by climbing it, you could just uh, put on a bunch of snow gear and then just teleport up there and take a selfie and <laughs> bounce out. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Mean, it's, good, it's, good, it's a really good ability. You're like, wow, I, th- I didn't think he was uh, fit enough to climb Mount Everest, but good job, Kirk. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's a great pick. It's, it's definitely... Should be high on anybody's list. I'll just say that. Should mm-hmm. be. It's it's a top it's a top ability. All right. My second pick. I'm gonna go with See the Future. Oh, beautiful. The old uh, Doctor Strange see the future. And I wanna wrap up in this. I want to be able to see every permutation of the future. Mm-hmm. So how he did his little like you know, like going through fourteen billion whatever different scenarios and only one was the one that worked or whatever ridiculousness. I want that. I think it would be an incredible burden to bear, but just imagine what you could do with that information. Mm -hmm. If you knew the right sequence of events that had to occur for you to get all the things that you want and do all the things that you want to do, um, to know when you're going to die, to change things so that you don't die that way. I think it would be a heavy burden, but I think it would be awesome too. It would be awesome. You could, and you'd be able to provide such value to humanity. You would think. I mean, I know butterfly effect, and like you don't want to affect things. You need to let them run their course. <laughs> don't care about the technicalities. <laughs> I think it'd be neat. Butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, I think it would be pretty cool. I agree. I totally agree. Um, I think I'm gonna go with my next one, and just real quick, I just want to call this out. Um, you know. I feel like every time we record, after we watch a movie, something imitates itself from the film, uh, whether it be how we interact with each other or just crazy happenstances. Okay. We talked about this, right? Did did it happen on purpose? Yes. Like, like the word, did it happen on purpose for a future event? I'm about to pee my pants right now because okay. I've drank way too much water while we've been sitting here. Sure. But I'm going to muscle through it just yeah. like I muscled through the last 15 minutes of Invisible Man. So Good. I'm going to keep moving in my chair. We're almost there. You're going to watch me do a little dance. Yeah, And sure. I'm going to pick next telepathy. Ah, dang it. I'm going to read Kirk. your stinking mind whenever I want to. Um, it's going to come great in times of like Jeopardy. Like, But I want to be able to read minds through the television mm. for taped... <laughs> Sure. Recorded shows. Yep. Um, I I don't see any issues with that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be able to read it, read minds for just conflict resolution, man. We have, we have a different, uh, different ideas of where, what we're, what we're fighting with. And if I can understand your full perspective, because sometimes it's just hard to articulate. I can be like, oh, I get it. Okay. And I can just introduce that idea. And it's like a, like a piece of secret information, like a spy, you know? Yeah. I think here's the question that's always there with telepathy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
would you be able to shut it off? Or is it just like a cacophony of noise in your brain at all times? It has to be able to be shut off. Yeah, okay. I think that's fair. Otherwise, it would drive you mad. Because there's some people whose minds I just would never want to read. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to read my wife's mind. Because there's just too much that could go wrong there. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, obviously you would want to read their mind, but you shouldn't. Right. So I would have to have the ability to turn it off. I think that's a good stipulation. Yep. Let's rip through these last uh, one or two because it's it's getting real. (laughs) Okay. My number three, I'm going with invincibility slash regeneration. Nice. Which is, yeah. If you're invincible, you have the ability to regenerate. That's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, Your next one. Oh, gosh. My, my phone locked. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to pick... Um, uh, shoot, I said go fast, and I'm not going fast. Oh, like, you know, like uh, Electro? Like the, the super oh, yeah, yeah, Electro? Sure. Like having just electrifying powers, like that'd be super cool. Like nothing could stop you. But more importantly, also along the teleportation path, that you could like electrify your body and then like sift through places through electrical currents and outlets and like travel to different parts of the house or the city. And I think that'd be pretty neat. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'm going to choose Invisibility next for my fourth pick. Excellent. Um, because it's the topic of the movie this week, and also I think it would be cool. Again, not in a creepy way. Don't don't go there. I'm not <laughs> going to be a creep. I'd mostly use it so, like, um, when AT&T comes and knocks on my front door, I can legitimately disappear. Or <laughs> if um, I want to hear if somebody's talking smack on me, I would, oh my you gosh. know disappear and and go you know like look at them and listen to them but nothing creepy you know i just use it for practical things and also like if you want to sneak out of a party irish exit yes gone you know just you're you're gone so i love that all right your last one do i have one more yep i'm gonna go classic super strength yeah that's a good one i feel like it would come in handy for moving people to different houses and uh you know just like doing manly things around the house and, uh, you know, you might save a couple people when all of a sudden, you know, you're like in yes. the right, right place, right time. Just take care of business, you know, stop moving cars. You wouldn't have a lot of fear because, you know, you could take anybody. That's right. Super strength. Uh, good call. I'm going to take time travel as my last oh. one. I don't know if that's really an ability. I don't know that there's like people who just like have the ability to travel through time. Yeah. But I'm making it my ability. I think that's perfectly logical. Okay. As an ability. I'm taking it. It would be awesome. I'd love to travel through time. Okay. We got, I'm going to pee my pants. All right. Also, pee your pants score. I would give Invisible Man pee your pants score. I'm going to give it a 7.5, just below uh, my, my kernel score. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 6. It didn't make me pee my pants by any means. Um, it didn't give me the heebie-jeebies afterwards, which I think is the indicator for high pee your pants yeah. ranking, is if you're really shook afterwards, mm. paranormal activity style. All right, friends, next week we're, we're reviewing Onward. Go check it out. Um, as always, we want to give a special thank you to Ryan Spriggs for our awesome theme music, him and Brandon Aristed, and for helping us produce this podcast. We're going to get going so Kirk can go to the bathroom <laughs> before he actually pees his pants. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. <laughs>
for the opener, can I sing Clay Aikens if I was invisible? <laughs> if I was invisible, invisible, invisible. If I could just watch you in your room, I would be the smartest man. If I was invisible, wait, wait I, I already, already am. am. <laughs>